Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucis. Another episode of On the Record. I am your host, Astrum Lux Lucis, and today's very special guest is lovely and talented singer-songwriter hailing from suburban Philadelphia who draws inspiration from seasoned musicians such as Cat Power, The Breeders, Metric, and The Smiths. Patti Smith, Elliot Smith, and Robert Smith, that is. Her songs are as raw as they are vulnerable, and the honesty of her music is refreshing and relatable. Her vocals have a heart-wrenching twang, and each line she sings leaves you with a visceral feeling of wanting more. She's appeared on the VH1 reality series called Make or Break, The Linda Perry Project. She's toured extensively in support of Chris Cornell on his Acoustic Higher Truth Tour. She is signed to Linda Perry's Custard Records. And she just achieved one of her many life goals of having her song played during a revealing scene on a TV drama, The Royals. Without further ado, please welcome Candace Martello of Hemming. Hi. Hey, Candace, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So you're from Philadelphia, which is really cool. I grew up in New Jersey for a little bit, just neighbors across the bridge. Yeah. And you got a, a an early start in music as well as I did, uh, playing guitar, I believe it was uh, at the age of seven or nine. Nine, yeah. Nine, That's yeah. I, so so how did you, and you came from a musical family, it sounds like. What gave you your start as in, I want to do this as a living? Like what was the, when did you figure that out and what was your kind of mindset behind that? Um, I think, geez, I don't know exactly when I figured it out, but I just noticed that it was one of the things that I always did. And, you know, like I, I had had stints of painting and little hobbies that I loved to do, but nothing really stuck. And that writing songs and playing guitar and stuff was something I just did every single day. So I think that's on an, an early age, I just thought that that might be an option. Yeah, and so was your family supportive in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I don't think they really even, because I, I never played my music for my family. They would just hear the muffled, you know, half songs happening in the bedroom, and um, I, don't think, I don't think they really knew that I was going to get as far as I have gotten. <laughs> and, oh, wow, um, nice. So, but, I, I mean, I went to school, I went to college for photography, so if I, I I was trying to go for music, they were very supportive of that, which is great because not exactly arts majors, you know, not exactly mm-hmm. the easiest thing to get jobs in right now. Yeah, ever probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how come you decided to pursue photography in college versus music? Uh, honestly, I applied to that college for music industry. And my whole portfolio had nothing to do with photography, but they allowed for like a second choice major option in case, I don't know, the program was full or you just didn't make it into the program. And I only applied to three colleges. And so it was either I take my second choice major at this college in the city proper, which I just really loved or I was going to Kutztown University out in the middle of nowhere for an undecided major. So <laughs> it's interesting. I'm not. I'm not picking up an accent from you. Like you know, like I was saying, I grew up in uh, New Jersey, and um, you know, 
well, I don't necessarily have an accent anymore either, but I haven't lived there in a long time. Have you done any work to not have an accent? <laughs> well, I wasn't I wasn't raised in Philadelphia proper, so since I don't know, I, I grew up in Doylestown, which is an, a suburb outside of the city, so maybe I just never picked up that classic Philly accent. Also, my whole family's from New York, so I don't know, maybe the the mixture of those two things just made me talk the way I talk. <laughs> nice, nice. So in college, did you when did you start performing? Uh, probably, I don't know, I played like a couple shows solo, maybe sophomore year of college, but I I wouldn't count that as actually, it was in dorm rooms and stuff. Um, I don't know, not till later on. I was, I've been in bands and I've been the guitarist or the bassist or background singer or something, but I've never, I never started playing as a front person probably until my junior year of college. Uh, and how did that come I, about? Um, I don't. I, I guess my friends were just pushing me to do more shows and stuff because I. What happens is I went to college for photography, but I befriended all of the music industry kids. So mm-hmm. you know they were all musicians, and they had heard some of my stuff that I'd recorded, and you know would have nice house shows and get me to play. Or um, and then the thing that really got me the courage to start doing things more so is I, uh, me and my friend Nick made a two-piece punk band and I was, you know, the front woman singer and he sang too, but he was in the drum. So I just kind of had to get over the whole stage thing pretty fast to do that. What was the first song that you've ever written and did it make it on your current album? Ooh, the first song. <laughs> no, the first song I ever wrote... <laughs> I don't even know. It's probably like diary somewhere at my parents' house. Um, I think the first full song I wrote, it was I was in like a full piece all girl band in high school called Infectious Radio. We were really cool, <laughs> and I I wrote a song. Oh man, I don't even remember what it was called, but I couldn't. I was so scared to sing it in front of my best friends in the band that I had to, when I went to present it to them, I, I had to go into the other room and stream the microphone and the guitar cable underneath the door and close the door. <laughs> and then they just sat by the amps and listened to me play it. But I think that was probably the legit first song I wrote was for that band. And no, it didn't make it all the way to the yeah. <laughs> Nice. What was the first song you wrote for your current album? Uh, Paper Crane. And what was the uh, inspiration behind that? Uh, honestly, Paper Cranes and Vitamins, those are kind of funny stories. Because I didn't, I songs the year after graduating college, and I didn't, I was unemployed, I was living with my parents, I didn't know what I was doing, I was going applying for all these photo jobs that I was totally qualified for, but just it's a hard thing to just go and do because I had no money. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so I had a lot of alone time and nothing was happening in my life. I was in Doylestown and all my friends were in Philly and I didn't really have any friends back in Doylestown anymore. So I just spent a lot of time alone and I decided I was going to start this project and it was going to be songs from the perspective of the inanimate objects laying around my room. And the first one that I wrote was about a paper crane that was hanging from my ceiling. And that's how that one came about. And then I just got really excited about that whole idea. And then I, I used to use a vitamin bottle to, as a shaker to record my songs. So then I just, I wrote vitamins kind of around that. And it was a cool <laughs> exercise. It was it was a really weird thing to do, but it, I don't know. It, it, you know, when you're alone for a while, <laughs> you get crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You left me hanging by a string. Gave the illusion I was flat. 
approach to songwriting for you to do something like that? Like, did it sort of take you out of your normal element and force you to do things differently? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because now when I hear, like, when I sing those songs or some, I relate to them in such a different way, and they're about so much more than, you know, just putting myself in the shoes of a bottle of vitamins, Um, which is amazing because I think a lot of times I will be too close to something to write about it and that kind of I don't know separated me from a feeling that I had tried to write about it just kind of distanced me enough to say what I needed to say about it in a way and I do think mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good way to do it I mean I've always loved just metaphors and that kind of thinking just different way of thinking so yeah I think it it was a different approach that worked out We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. And we're back on the record. What's your normal approach before that to songwriting? Uh, I have have a couple. (laughs) Really, I don't know. Sometimes... I will sometimes I'll hear a phrase or someone will say something and it'll click something in my mind, an idea, and I'll write it down and just base a whole song off of a phrase or a, I don't know, something that just hit me in the right way. Or, uh, I don't know, sometimes it'll just be as simple as uh, 
you know, I'll have a guitar part and a melody and I'll just sing gibberish over and over until the gibberish turns into <laughs> words. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of writing and rewriting that happens in certain songs. And then there's songs that just fall out of my mouth. And then I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? So, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's nice when that happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, wow! I like the, the philosophy behind vitamins um, where you're talking about, like, the struggles of relaying on things outside of yourself to make you happy. Um, yeah. Do you find that you personally, um, basically that's sort of a reactionary person, do you find that you're more of a reactionary person or are you more aware of that? and sort of fall into, well, I'm going to be the one that creates my happiness internally, and I'm not going to allow these outside things to have that power over me. Uh, I would say it's an evolving thing. I definitely have been the reactionary type person, and I mean, that's honestly where a lot of the songs came from, and it's I'm working towards the whole inner happiness thing. I think everybody, it's a whole journey for them. You know, it's easy to to just kind of succumb to, you know, life sucks because of this and this. But um, I'm working on the whole, you know, inner happiness, be happy with myself and where I am right now in time. So uh, it's definitely a a work in progress. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any kind of practice or a teacher that you follow that guides you along that path? Uh, my friend. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not a religious person or anything like that. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of little weird things just to feel, I don't know, connected with something. And it's, my friends help out a lot. They listen to me blab on about everything. And, you know, sometimes we get goofy and light vagina-shaped candles and read our tarot cards and drink <laughs> wine. So, like, it's, it's that kind of thing, it, it feels all magical. And, you know, by the end of the night, you're just with your friends and, like, oh, I've had so many revelations and I love you guys. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I think the key there is the vagina-shaped candles. That, <laughs> yeah. They they open up the realm of spirit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Where did you find the vagina-shaped candle? <laughs> In South Philadelphia, believe it or not. <laughs> I can believe that.
talk a little bit about the tour with Chris. How was that? And how did that come about? And, and what did that feel like to kind of be like, wow, I'm, you know, I've got like this real tour that I'm going on and with like this superstar dude. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was totally surreal. And I was very lucky to get on that tour and incredibly grateful to Chris for taking me. Uh, he wasn't initially going to take anybody. He just, I guess, couldn't find anyone that felt right. And he, my producer, who's Linda Perry, um, just kind of sent him my record and was like, why don't you just listen to this? And he ended up loving it and just being like, this makes total sense. And I mean, at first I was super scared about it and I wasn't, I just wasn't sure how Chris Cornell fans would react to me. I, I don't I'm always, I never know how people are going to react to me. And his crowd was just so accepting and so stoked to hear I don't know, like a powerful singer go up there and have like songs that they wrote. So it was, I mean, it was insanely surreal to play those venues too, which were like beautiful. And yeah, it was crazy. And so were you both performing acoustically or did you have a somewhat of a band behind you, both of you guys? Uh, it was, it was totally acoustic. I only brought an acoustic guitar and okay. um, he was, he was acoustic the whole time too, and he would play for like up to two hours by himself every now and then. He'd have solo player come up, but the whole set was him, and he just captivated the audience. And his fan base loved him, so he would wow. get standing standing ovations after like every song, and you know for the right like you know reason because he really can captivate an audience for that long just with nothing except for him and the, an acoustic guitar, which I find so amazing. And I would love to one day, you know, be that because I don't know. That's just when you bear down music to just that simple of a performance and you can tour on that to some of the biggest, most beautiful venues and sell out. That's, I feel like that's just really killing it, you know? Yeah, that's definitely powerful. Yeah, because yeah. there's a, like there's the difference between performing at the coffee house versus yeah. performing where people are actually really there to see you, and you know, and it's a whole yeah. different vibe. Like, how does that feel going from you know, like my experience when I perform at the coffee house and do the solo acoustic thing? I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? You know, like you look out in the audience and everybody's yakking amongst themselves, and you know, you're just like. I'm up here telling you a story and you're not listening to me. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> you know, you go from that to, you know, where people are very attentive. Is it very, um, do you almost feel maybe like naked on stage? Uh, like very, very like vulnerable. Yeah. I, I always feel on stage. I struggle with so much stage fright and so personal. And in order to sing them with any sort of emotion, I really do have to put myself right back to where I was when I wrote the song. And it's like reading your diary in front of a bunch of strangers, you know, and it's, it's incredibly, it's terrifying. And, and it does help that they just put a bit on you and kind of black everyone out. But like, for me, the coffee house thing, when you're like level with everyone and you're actually like, you can look into someone's eyes that is five feet in front of you, that's, more terrifying than staring at the exit sign in the back of the venue, <laughs> just, uh, just going for it or just staring off into the black. So you mentioned stage fright. What do you do to uh, overcome that? Or, or, you know, do you go puke before you play? <laughs> like, <what's> your... <laughs> uh, but, no. <laughs> um, well, I used to uh, have a couple whiskeys before playing. And that was not a very good way to tour. I toured like that about like, <laughs> last year. I did that when I was opening for Rachel Yamagata because that was my first big. And I was only, I honestly was opening for the opener. The Dove and the Wolf were opening for Rachel Yamagata. And then I got thrown on to play four songs before Wolf. But she was playing big songs that I, you know, I never played in front of the big of an audience before, and I would 
probably drink a little too much, and then you can't do that on tour, really, because you play every night, which means you drink every night, and then you have a drink after. And then, so I learned that that wasn't the best way to deal with stage fright. And this tour was actually a dry tour. We were not allowed to drink, really. Um, so had to buck up. Wow. And it's not good for the vocal cords either, but... Um, no, it's not good for anything. It's terrible for your health. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes you feel so great, you know? Liquid courage is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, it gives you courage out the wazoo. Yeah, sometimes too much in certain uh, yeah. circumstances. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about the dry tour now is... I, I don't know much about Chris's personal life, but is that is he recovering alcoholic? Is that why, or is it just that he doesn't want drinking um, on the tour? I think, I, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he was the whole 90s rock star life. I'm I'm sure he, I don't know anything about his personal life either. I'm sure, I could look it up online, but, like, I'm sure he <laughs> overindulged in the 90s uh, a little bit, which, you know, we could blame him. Uh, yeah. So it was really, I think he's just sober and, you know, he's, he just didn't, it wasn't, it was kind of, it was pretty lax, you know, we could, I was on a separate tour bus, so like could drink when we got there, but I, by that time I was just so tired, I wanted to go to bed. He's, I'm sure like the constant that we, we just were not allowed to like, you know, five whiskeys and be like, all right, Chris, backstage, <laughs> like breathe all over him. Like that would probably be frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what was it like being in the tour bus on tour? It was weird, um, but it was nice. You know, the Rachel's tour, I toured in a sedan. So that was, you know, the tour bus was a little less cramped. And it. <laughs> It was, uh, you know, I had to get used to the the bed. I definitely felt like I was going to fall out of bed a couple times, but it was nice. I, I kind of enjoyed like that I could just play, and then Chris played, and then I would just go to bed on the bus and wake up in a different space. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Did you have opportunities to do meet and greets and, and go out and sell your merch, like be at your merch booth and stuff like that? Yeah, I went out to the merch every single night after my set and then after Chris's set just to meet people and stuff and just, I don't know. I feel like that's a really cool thing, especially when you're not like a huge rock star or anything, even if you are like just to do that sometimes is it's, I don't know. Everyone's human, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. to say hi and thank you for listening and sell stuff. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So I saw a Twitter post from you that you just achieved a life goal of having your song played during a revealing scene in a TV drama. Talk a little bit more about that. What song was it, and what did that feel like for you to, you know, here there's your song on a on a TV show. Uh, it was. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, I am a personal lover of TV drama series. <laughs> Uh, mainly the like high school dramas, you know, like C <laughs> or Dawson's Creek, or geez, there's just so many good ones. Pretty Little Liars, I'm really into. <laughs> I just choose like <laughs> shows that are so not what high school was, but I'm just like, oh man, totally cool. This is such a funny show. I don't know, but I, I, it, you know, I, I always watched those shows in high school wishing my life was so dramatic like that. And and they, they always had those songs that would happen at such, like, important moments. And I remember looking up online, like, that episode of One Tree Hill or, you know, Gilmore Girls or something like that, being like, what was that song playing when blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was trying to think of, uh, like, that Imogen Heap song when Ryan gets shot in the OC. I'll never forget that song. <laughs> so... <laughs> It, it just it was cool to actually have my song be one of those songs, and maybe some young high school kid that watches the Royals looks me up, like I yeah do. yeah cool. So what song was it that got played? Uh, Vitamins. Oh okay, cool. Yeah, 
I was thinking it was going to be like a drug overdose scene. No. <laughs> <laughs> they OD'd on vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> it took too many Centrum Silvers. <laughs> <laughs> so mentors, have you had any mentors along the way? Rachel Yamagata has been a really great mentor, honestly. She's just been doing music for so long, and she's just been in the industry, and she's been with big labels, and she's now independent pretty much. And anytime I have just a question about, you know, a manager or what should I do, she gave me the courage to go on the Chris Cornell tour alone. I was going to bring my manager, but it would have cost a lot of money, and it also would have – we would have had to, they would have had to free up an extra bunk on the bus, which was, you know, kind of, there's always, there's already so much space on the bus. So that would have been kind of a shady thing to do. And Rachel was just like, no, you can do this on your own. Like I've toured on my, I tour on my own all the time. It's really, you know, once you do it, you once you'll know you can do it all the time. And then, you know, and she's really been there for me a lot. Uh, and Linda, you know, I still text her sometimes just to ask ideas and see what she thinks of songs and stuff like that. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support wisdom and new customers eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges we have chapters across the US and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources and leads you need to grow your business and once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. So when you were touring, I want to go back a little bit. So you're touring on your own. Did you have to do kind of play the tour manager role as well? Like were you handling any business side of things on the tour? Yeah, I mean, I I, I had help from Chris's people. They were really great. I was basically on the crew bus, and he was like traveling with the skeleton crew. So it was just the like an LD and a guitar tech and – his tour manager and then merch guy and like the cello player and stuff. So the merch guy helped me out a lot, kind of gave me my numbers at the end, which I had to enter in and send to the label every night. And then uh, I just had to settle with the venues just at the end of the night, which is just asking for a check. But, okay. and then any, like any interviews that I had to do or, uh, in stores or radio stuff, I just had to organize all my own transportation, and it worked out fine. There was a couple of times I forgot to get paid, and <laughs> you know, certain things flipped my mind. I was almost very late to some interview, but managed to get there. So it, it probably would have been a lot more clean cut and organized if I had a tour manager, because I'm just this total scatterbrain. But I got. I got through it on my own, <laughs> my own way. <laughs> nice. So you talked about uh, working with Linda Perry, and she produced your latest album. Um, and you guys ended up working together through the Make or Break the Linda Perry Project TV show on VH1. And yeah. I was reading a little bit about that, how that all came about. And originally you went on the show with your punk band, and then – Linda heard you doing stuff on your own and wanted to go forward with you as a solo artist. And yes. this, uh, you know, I just interviewed um, Amy Basada from uh, cool. Adrema Coast, who was on that same show. And it, it, I'm, I'm seeing a theme now. It's like you go on as a yeah. band and you, you come out a solo artist. So what was that like for you to 
you know, you're you're on there one way, and then all of a sudden it's this. Uh, it was terrifying and very sad. Um, but I mean, honestly, my drummer Nick, who was in the band, he essentially said to me when I when we got back, like when I was back from the whole show, he was like, "You know, I just." wanted to do that show because I kind of knew that would happen. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, oh, punk band doesn't belong on reality TV. Like, a punk band doesn't need Linda Perry to produce an album. He's like, I just knew that your stuff was going to go somewhere, which was amazing. He's my best friend. Um, So, yeah, it it was scary, but at the same time I'm realizing a pattern of ever since then like when I do things that terrify me it generally puts me in the right place Mm. yeah yeah talk a little bit about that because that is um I'm noticing in people who are successful that that's sort of a theme in their lives as well it's like okay whatever the thing is I'm fearing the most that's what I need to go do and that's like the total opposite like what normal human beings would do. Like, oh, that scares the yeah. shit out of me. I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know. We're yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's I go mean, jump in the I'm fire. Gonna, That'd be fun. <laughs> jumping or anything or, you know, jumping out of airplanes. But <laughs> I don't know. I do – it's because it's, I feel like it's a mental it's a mental block that makes you scared of things or – and then doing it, even if you don't do so well at it, it just kind of whittles down that mental block. And you're just like, oh, well, I did that. It wasn't so bad, and I made it through. And the more you do stuff like that, the more it opens up your thinking and leaves you space in your brain for more stuff to happen. And I don't know. That's my whole theory on the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the build-up is so much worse than the thing itself. You know, oh, like yeah, I, totally. Yeah, like I was interviewing a lady I went to college with who's very successful in the music industry now, and she was always type A and go, 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 and just so driven. I'm like, wow, you know. And she was talking about how it's like when you go to the dentist, you have a dentist appointment, and you're like dreading it and dreading it, and then you go, and it was like a breeze. You just had your teeth cleaned, floss, brush, boom, you're done. Nothing happened. And, like, the whole dread, like, was so worse than actually just being there and sitting in the chair and getting your teeth cleaned, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much, like, every single show I play. <laughs> like, the, like, the press-ups and just the whole day of thinking about it. There, and I'm sad. Well, that probably would, you know, be kind of stressful, though. I mean, the whole day to be kind of just winding yourself up into this, sort of, you know, mental frenzy. What are what are some of the fears that are coming up that are that get you worked up like that? Uh geez. I don't know. Forgetting my lyrics, sometimes that happens. <laughs> um what I I think it's the in between songs that I get in my head about, like what comes out of my mouth, which I never know what's gonna come out. Sometimes it's on point and great, and sometimes it's kind of just weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> and luckily, I feel like the vibe that I give off is just kind of awkward and human, and people find that funny. Because, like, the songs are pretty sad. I want to be somewhat of an upper in-between. Um, but, yeah, I just get in my head too much sometimes about that and... I don't know whether or not anyone's going to like it or listen that you think about. Do you do any kind of talking yourself down off the ledge kind of? <laughs> I don't, yeah, no, I don't have any kind of ritual. Now, honestly, this tour kind of has been way worse. Like, I would be like, who who has my whiskey? I need it now. Like, I'm going on in 30 minutes and I haven't had a drink. Like, I used to be like that. And just shaking and my mouth would get dry and it, I would, it would be terrible. And then the only thing that makes me forget my lyrics is that is my nerves. Um, yeah. And now I just, geez, I don't know the whole tour. I just, I had my own green room. So I literally just sat and like 20 minutes before the set, I put my, put my show clothes on. And I was sitting 
or drink tea and just kind of surf the internet until I had to go on. And then I went on and did it and came back. So <laughs> I think just a little bit of a long time before going on helps. When you do forget your lyrics on stage, what do you do in that moment? Or what are you thinking in that moment? Sometimes it's just like I mumble until I remember where I am. Or sometimes I just flat out stop. And it, it, the only time I've ever flat out stopped, uh, this was so tragic. I, I When we played the Ryman, which I was looking forward to so much because it's just so historic. And I love old country music, and I wanted to cover a Dolly Parton song for that night. And I spent all day practicing, all day. I get two lines in, and I just brain fart. I completely forget it. And I was like, I tried to keep going, but I had no idea what the next lyrics were. I'm like, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. I'm just going to play an original because I have no idea what the next part of that is. And it all seemed to work out fine. (laughs) Nice. Do you ever bring up little cheat sheets on stage and, like, put them down on the floor? Nah, because I think that in itself would make me even more nervous. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd be like, oh, shit, oh, where was I? What was the last thing I said? Uh, uh, you know, just and like, so, I don't know. I just kind of do it organically. Nice, nice. So you mentioned earlier that your, your friends act as sort of um, mentors for you as well. Um Talk about the song "Some of My Friends" because I was listening to it, and you know the lyrics are actually kind of really profound. You know, it's it's like a real observance of people and the way people are. And so, was that really inspired by your friends, or was it just inspired by sort of people watching, or what's what's behind that one? Um, yeah, no, it was definitely inspired by that I've had all throughout my life. Um, I that was actually one of those songs that just kind of fell out of my mouth. And I recently was thinking, man, I don't even remember writing that or like where I was or what I did. And then I found an old journal and it was the lyrics to some of my friends and it was June 2012. And I was like, wow, I was trying to think about my life then. But yeah, it was just, I'm I'm a big advocate for, you know, people are in your life for a reason at certain times, whether it be for a year or a month, or you just meet in passing, or they introduce you to someone, like, that was in your life for a reason, and to get you where you need to go in some way. So, like, every relationship you have is very important to your life, and that's kind of, I think that's kind of what the song embodies, is that you, you have these friends that, some of them aren't the greatest and some of them are struggling and some of them need you more than you need them or vice versa. Like it, it's, it just kind of embodies that whole idea that they, they're still important.
friends put me up on a throne. The second I fall, they run, leave me alone. Some of my friends will never know what home is. And some of my friends are gonna be married with kids. And some of my friends will never see again. But thank God they were there when I needed them. How do you feel when you meet somebody or you've known somebody and then for whatever reason they're out of your life and do you find yourself kind of sitting there sometimes and uh, maybe analyzing it or, or trying to figure out what that was all about? Um, it depends on, yeah, I guess it depends on how close we were. I do know there are a lot of people that just kind of, come in and out of my life you know you have those friends that never really leave like they might move across the ocean or to another country or another state or something and you might not talk for years and then you, they come back for Christmas so you see them again and it's just you're picking up right where you left off I have plenty of those friends which is amazing um, and then there's those friends that kind of just drift out of your life and I don't know there, there's, there's definitely I think Earlier on in my life, like more so, I would be more hurt, like when I was in high school, when I was younger, I would be more hurt if people just kind of disappeared out of my life for no, and gave no reason. But I think now that I'm getting wiser and older, um, (laughs) I'm just, you know, letting everything happen organically. And I don't like to cloud my mind too much with possible what ifs or, you know, what 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 have I done wrong or why are we speaking kind of thing. Hmm. What do you think is the most important lesson that you've learned in life so far? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, don't avoid pain, maybe. Or don't try to, don't try to take the easy way out and don't, try to like just cover things up because it never really gets rid of them like feelings of any sort and just kind of taking things head on or just living with the pain and letting it hit you and dealing with it 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 helps more it doesn't make it hurt any less in the end you know you're not you're not I I don't know how to explain it (laughs) You're not suppressing it. That's the word. That's what I was looking at. You're not suppressing it, and then it just, you know, makes you feel better. Yeah. So hold on to things. That's what I'm trying to say. So what do you do to move through the pain and let things go? Uh, writing helps a lot for me. I mean, there's very few things that me feel happiness feel after finishing a song. It's just like unexplainable happiness. And sometimes it just doesn't happen for a while. That gets me stressed out. And um, that's a whole other bag of pain <laughs> where it's just like you want to get rid of it, but you just can't put the words in the right order. But, um, yeah, writing helps or just honestly, like I said, talking to my friends, there, I really do have a great community of people here because everyone everyone's kind of in the same boat they're all a lot of them are musicians and a lot of them have tons of feelings and mm-hmm. <laughs> it just we to each other a lot i think that's what kind of keeps me sane. have you ever thought about needing to move to a quote-unquote music city in order to further your career like going to New York uh, or well, Nashville or, or L.A.? I don't know if you've heard this, but Philadelphia is one of the top music cities right now. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, so I have really needed to. Uh, don't think it is a place for musicians. It's not musician-friendly at all anymore. Maybe back Where's in like that? New York. I, I don't find it musician-friendly oh. at all. Yeah. Just because, I mean, maybe back in the 70s when it was cheaper to live there, but if you're a musician who wants to have time to 
write and have time to practice and have a practice space of any sort, you're not going to live in New York because you're going to be working every day to afford your rent and living there. You know, it's, it really isn't. the yeah. space. Even Patty Smith in an interview uh, said, she's like, what is your, any musicians in New York? She said, get the hell out of New York. <laughs> and there's, you know, nothing against it. I mean, my whole family's from there, but it's just not a musician-friendly place right now. Um, I never considered Nashville. I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I would just up and move somewhere when I, where I don't know anybody just because it's a music town. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like I said, there's just so many, I know so many musicians here that it's just not really a, it's never really crossed my mind. I have yeah. thought about moving, but for different reasons, for just like, I need to get out of here kind of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. What do you got coming up? Um, right now I've got just a bunch of, I'm just booking as many local shows as I can. Uh, I've got some stuff happening at Johnny Brenda's and, um, we're just constantly looking for a tour. So just until a tour pops up, I'm just playing as many local stuff shows as possible. Cool. Cool. Oh, and you say you're looking for a tour. How do you go about doing that? Uh, well, I have a booking agent, um, and I pretty much just start my day on the computer seeing if any bands have new albums out, if they might be going on tour, and then or like asking around and talking to people looking for new music and then just sending it to my booking agent and she kind of like up, applies for any tours that are happening or um, just, yeah, you just pretty much apply for things. That's huh. throw your name out there. A lot of times it's, it's best if you know someone, like a connection of some sort, but mm-hmm. back, nothing, back to those friendships. Yet. Back to the friendships. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, in the meantime, I'm also going out to a bunch of shows and having fun with networking, mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning meeting my friend's friends. So we're coming towards the end, and I always like to have our guests send us off with some final words of wisdom. So would you like to share your wisdom with us? Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like my final words of wisdom, just based on everything we've been talk- talking about, is friendship is great, and life is hard, <laughs> but it can create beauty and uh, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting my words on stage right now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much all I got. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Awesome. That was that was lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually few words that were very profound. So <laughs> very few words. That's the key. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.